Hello, Tobias. Good morning. Good morning, Marcus. <laughs> this is a, a rare a podcast recording that happens in the morning because usually I talk to people from the other side of the planet. So <laughs> good to uh, have you here, um, old friend um, from Switzerland, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, there's so many things we could talk about, but you know, I really like the, the idea of this, this format is that there's nothing kind of like um, preconceived here. However, you have an album coming out, which is <laughs> something that, you know, even though this is not meant to be for promotional purposes, but I definitely want to talk about that one with you because mm -hmm. it's so mm -hmm. close to your heart. And I've also been involved mixing it, right? So, um, you know, what has been like the, the biggest, the biggest, I don't want to say change because I know what the biggest change in your life was uh, in the last few years, but what, what has been the biggest development for you personally in the, in well, maybe last, let's say last three, four years. Well, maybe let's really begin talking about this in terms of of this new album because for me i think the what what i've achieved for me personally with this album is a process of letting go of a lot of things i had identified with maybe or become associated with um i have been working with a computer assisted compositional strategies for a long time and people have sort of started to know me for that i've i've taught it a lot and i've written online about it a lot and been been very uh, vocal about it and and i kind of realized that i was you know emerging into a into a new phase where where these approaches started to become just one subset of my toolbox not not that they were my whole toolbox all the time because i've also been doing you know improvisation and installations and all that stuff but in terms of my identity as a as an artist and maybe i'm, I'm saying artist deliberately and not not musician because I, I started to realize that i there were a lot more options available to me that i actually know how to use but also it meant it meant that um i had to let go of a lot of strategies let's say just very simple for how i started working on a piece or how i how i approached and uh, you know diving into a new kind of inquiry with a project and and um uh, working with algorithmic approaches kind of makes you think about music a lot and i i started to try strategies that made me think less and uh, just you know just um just go along with what happened by itself maybe and then i could bring these techniques to bear and the reason i'm <clears throat> the reason i'm mentioning this is really that i feel like this has been true for other parts of my life as well so for my 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 approach to how I work and how I teach, but also in my you know, my personal life, and um, it's it's harder to talk about that because it's harder to kind of name it, maybe. But I, you know, I just I just feel like I've 
I've entered a new phase in my life over the past couple of years, which has, you know, as you, as you said, it's, or as you alluded to, it's, uh, it's been triggered by having children and, um, mm -hmm. you know, just getting older, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's probably not, it wasn't triggered by having children, right? It's just something that is, uh, kind of like a required response as I say, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, j just, you know, tell us a little bit more about what, what that's, what that means practically. So, um, going from working mostly with generative processes to something where you think less, you said, right. So mm -hmm. what, what, what does that mean? How, and how did you accomplish that? Because you're still working with computers, <laughs> right? So it's not, yeah. it's not that you're finally uh, picking up acoustic guitar again or something. No, although I <laughs> would like to get a nice new electric guitar uh, when the finances allow for that. So uh, that's, that's definitely on the horizon. <clears throat> um, it means trying very hard with thinking and failing very hard at it i um so so the process for my new album which is uh, called mother of millions um started in the summer of 2015 when my wife and i samira and i kind of gave ourselves uh the gift of a one month retreat away you know in literally into the swiss alps and um and just to spend time together and time alone and time to think and work and go for long walks. And I, I had, I had a feeling that there's a, there was a body of thinking that I should make, you know, acquaint myself with not, not in the sense of I should like outside expectations, but feeling that there's something to be gained for me there. And, I was reading a lot about um, ecology and, um, you know, how culture relates to nature and um, systems thinking and stuff like that. And um, I was kind of hoping that this month would get me into a process of working and and uh, maybe maybe I would compose new music there. And then I realized that, you know, after one or two weeks, maybe two weeks there, halfway into that retreat, I realized that I've, I've never, I'd never actually given myself time to, to just be and just, you know, just digest and just, you know, sit on the porch and uh, all morning and write and read and uh, without the pressure of actually making it, making that useful and, and, you know, doing something with it. So I, I just, I, I started writing a lot and I started journaling, uh, journaling a lot. And I did, I did sit down every day and do musical experiments, but nothing really um, did justice to what I had in mind. And so that retreat came to an end and literally the next day I had to go and set up for a big uh, stage production I was involved in. So we, we, we took a, like a four hour drive home in in the morning and then in the evening i already took another you know 90 minute train drive to zurich and checked in into a hotel and then went and got set up for a very intensive uh process for a for a kind of um for a musical stage production i was involved in and i literally had to change gears so hard that i 
I, I entered another world for two months until these performances were over. And then I was kind of worn out and I, uh, I started teaching again. I was teaching at the University of Arts in Bern at the time. And um, I kind of went along and, you know, there's there was lots of things from that retreat to process. But um, at the same time, we knew that we were expecting our first child. And um, that was kind of on our mind. And it was just a very, it was a time that it felt like kind of the, re the what I had gained from the retreat, like this knowledge that I'm self-sufficient and I don't need all that external stimulation all the time. And that I could just let things uh, emerge by themselves was was happening in, in parallel to us expecting our, our child and, you know, a lot of positive insecurity and, and expectation. And then it was literally triggered by a piece of gear which I bought in the spring of 2015. And th this in itself tells you a lot because I've been very vocal about, you know, not, you know, people, people wasting their time uh, buying and selling gear instead of making music. And um, I had to swallow my own pride and say that, you know, buying, buying that synthesizer, which I found used online was just the best thing I've ever bought. And um, it was a spontaneous, decision but i i got an ms20 mini which is this reissue of the classic ms20 um synthesizer that cork had made in the late 70s and early 80s and um i i picked it up on the way home from teaching uh, one day and i set it up on my desk at home um and in the evenings when when my wife would go to bed early because she was uh, pregnant i um I would just sit down in the dark more or less and just work with a synthesizer and try out sounds and then i after you know one or two days i got my audio interface from my uh, from my little atelier that i have and i uh, started to just record sounds and i started overdubbing and i started comparing and you know combining and then that was basically the seed for the whole album so it was it feels like i kind of was pregnant with the ideas that I had, you know, consumed and been thinking about and concerned with from from this the, from the previous summer. But I had to like, it feels like having that new piece of gear and you know a new approach to working and you know having like it's right here beside me. That's why I'm looking there. So having like 50 knobs to twiddle instead of a laptop where you would have to program everything just opened up. A whole new um, approach, and I feel like all the knowledge that I had gained with with my other ways of my previous ways of working could kind of come to fruition in in a whole new way, and in a mm -hmm. in a very in a way that was not loaded with meaning and with uh, expectations on my part. So, um, would it be correct to say that this uh, new album is is played? Yes. that be a good term to use yes yeah yeah it's yeah. it's played and it's um there are passages where i have midi sequences that run into the synth and i uh i would let them percolate and permutate and i would just twiddle the knobs but you know i didn't always play the notes but mm -hmm. i played i played the sound mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah what, what you just described is something that's very uh well, you know, like there are so many parallels <laughs> between us anyway, we know that, but um, it, 
like this intuitive approach of music making for me is really something that just comes to the surface occasionally when I have explored things outside of my comfort zone, let's say, by using, as you say, generative approaches, right? And um, and it's always it's always fascinating to see how how good, let's say, right? Like good, or you know, the um, intuitive results are. And so so it's really it's funny when um and and maybe i told you this before when but when i worked with uh, pat masolotto on face which you know is a super complex and his wife came into the room and she said to us like you're making music the hard way right and <laughs> so that's that has kind of like become something that we're interested in right and but but i see and this is maybe what you described is a good example it's not a it's not a means in itself right it's just something that oh. kind of like then creates a specific skill on a different level which then kind of feeds back into the intuitive music yes exactly making. i've i've often referred to this as you know that having algorithmic approaches is it's always not just composition but it's always ear training and it it literally expands what you can imagine which you can then apply in other ways, you know, for example, mm -hmm. you know, it, certain note sequences that you just wouldn't think of, mm -hmm. but that your little system might feed back to you, you then you are then influenced by the output of that program. So my my name for this is called uh, expression through abstraction, and um, and I I think that this this process of having to formalize your ideas into a system. That could be code. It could be, you know, some kind of setup in in some pre-existing uh, tool. It could just be, you know, instructions for players, and then see what happens and see not just if you were right with your intuition, but actually tweaking the parameters until you find something that you couldn't have thought of. You can then listen to that and be influenced by it, without that influence. You know, it's not an outside influence in the sense of. You're so inspired by another artist that you start to imitate mm -hmm. um, them, but it's it's things that kind of you made, but you can't really. You have to take responsibility for them, but you can't really take credit for them in in the same way as when you, um, as when you imagine a melody and write it down. But I think we are often deluded about this whole idea of inspiration, anyway. So, <laughs> I I just like. I like to have systems as a kind of a creative partner, not in the sense that they're conscious or anything, but just they're feeding back things at me that inspire me. And I think with with that process, you know, it's that was five years ago when I started recording the album, exactly to the day, probably like this week. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so um, um, I had just come to a point where this became clear because as I was, you know, searching for sounds and overdubbing and starting to cut and rearrange, I would then suddenly introduce little things from my previous practice, like little tweaks that I could apply to the material and um, without actually having to be that as the starting point. So that's when it, I feel it kind of became an, an, uh, an integrated part of a bigger um yeah I, I i called it toolbox previously but you know like an awareness of what i can do yeah 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 i find it fascinating that um the 
pretty sure it's the first track, which is the the 20, 20 minute plus track, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's it's like so it's so prog in in a way, you know. It's like this, <laughs> and well, a little a little bit like you know, like uh, like Mike Oldfield, like Omadon side one, you know. It's a little bit like that. I find yeah. it totally fascinating. And it's just, yeah, me just, too. Just, just using, just using like completely different um, sonic and harmonic palette, and also like, uh, but not emotional. You know, the emotional palette is kind of, it's kind of, it's not the same, not at all. But it's, mm -hmm. it's sort of like going into the same. You could say even a little bit um, uh, folkloristic or romantic uh, direction. Yes. Right? Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's also it's it's been a it's been a process of integrating a lot of my personal history like my history as a musician how how i grew and what i was what i kind of grew up on and what influenced me and uh, as you know i've i've been yeah uh, i i had this progressive rock phase as a younger man and i was very much into into things like uh, dream theater and you know all kinds of things and uh, i kind of ingested that for a, for a couple of years and then I sort of left it behind me but the whole drive of from rock music the energy from rock music and this kind of primal sonic this the visceral quality of it always stayed with me and I I applied it in other projects you know I was working with this group pulp noir for for many years and I did try out all kinds of harsh and, and, and rough things there, but in my own music, it was always much more controlled and it was much more, um, um, filtered through these, um, complex, more complex, uh, processes. And, and mm -hmm. with, with mother of millions, I kind of feel like I can, I can finally do the bombastic thing. I mean, it's so it's, it's ridiculously over the top in a way it's it's so it's so um it's so dense it's so brutal in, in parts mm -hmm. and it's 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 not ashamed to be that and i'm not i'm i i can totally own it i mean i i am um, i think it's there's there's a lot of sincerity in that album in the sense that i'm not I'm not applying these things in a really ironic fashion, but I, I mean, I also don't identify with that. It's just one, it's just one aspect of what I had to, 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 to get out. It seems, but it's, um, yeah, I, I love that about this. It's music that is really, um, it's really intense. It's very epic. It's very, it's really very proggy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I just out you know this just out of interest. Like, why why did you consider me, or why did you ask me to help you produce it in the end? Is there is there a particular reason, or well, it's it's uh, just reasons that for you might be obvious, but maybe not for people who don't know about our relationship. But it's really you know you've you've been mixing my previous solo albums, and you've been kind of a big influence on how on my development as a as an artist and as a listener and uh, you know we met when when i was 20 and and we really met when i was 21 a year later and you, i've just 
grown, you know, I did my music studies and in parallel, I feel like I had had a separate parallel education with you and, and talking about, about music in a different way that you couldn't really do in an academic setting. Mm -hmm. But that, that was always really, you know, I, I've always felt like an autodidact and, and somebody who, who was listening to an inner compass about what I should learn. And I, I very much felt like studying music was a way of finding out who I am and what I can do while at the same time learning a lot about, you know, history and skills and stuff like that. But it felt, it always felt like I'm, I'm going to get all that stuff and um, integrate it into my own identity as an artist. And with you, that side of my development has, I think, been much more pronounced because, because, you know, musically, you've we've always kind of talked on an eye level, even, even though you've you've uh, been you're like a decade older, and you're still a decade older and much more experienced. So it's that's kind of uh, that's just been kind of informative to my thinking, and and at the same time, it has allowed you to come to know me very well and and how I think about music. And when when I you know, I I never really considered another option because I know that with you I can talk about music in in terms. I you know I can reference certain musics and I can I can you know I can mention things like you know uh, Robert Wyatt's Rock Bottom was and I think is kind of a influence on Mother of Millions in a way like this whole Canterbury scene, maybe what you refer to as a folk um, influence. Mm -hmm. And I, I can mention that just like I can mention drone music or, um, you know, heavy metal. And and when I when I approached you for mixing, I kind of already had a rough mix that I liked in terms of the sonics, but I knew that you could make it work in the sense that this very dense material is stacked in a way in the sonic spectrum that would make it, you know, bloom, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what you did, you know. I don't really, I don't really. When I listen to your mixes, I don't really hear a different a difference in terms of sound. But it's like the music is more of itself. That's what I hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank and you. I, and I never, yeah, totally welcome. And I never, I never ask you what you did, you know, in the mix. You just sent me mixes, and I gave some feedback, but not a lot. I mean, there wasn't a lot needed. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I um that that would be a whole other conversation about how how you make music more of what it is in itself and maybe that's a conversation for for another time I don't know but um this Any, anything goes goes in this context here so <laughs> wherever we let you know like I was interested if there was like anything well obviously like our history and like the, our understanding let's say mm -hmm. but then I was wondering if there was something specific about this album I mean, you already answered the question. So, but you know, I was wondering: is was there something particular in this album where you said, "Okay, Marcus also has to do it, right?" So it's not mm -hmm. just. Mm -hmm. um, but you basically already answered it, and you know, um, it, it's it's a pleasure, or it was a pleasure to work on it because I knew I didn't have to do much. You know, it was as you were saying; it was not about having to repair anything, if that makes any sense. Because a lot of production work is about repairing. Right. And, and I didn't have to do that at all with your, with your music, which is great. So I only had to, as you say, I only had to make it bloom, which 
for me is is something that has uh, is kind of like a shocking realization, but it's something that uh, Fabio Trentini told me like maybe 15 years ago, where he said like all you need to do to mix is you need to make each individual element sound good. So it's not about the mix. It's not about getting frequencies out of the way and like stuff. And that's sort of like what I did with your um, with uh, Mother of Millions. I just look, just listen to every individual track, be cued it, um, maybe added some room reverb here and there, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit like that. But that that was it. Mm -hmm. and, and then yeah, and that's... then and then things are about also like the bus treatment. So like, how do I group tracks? You know, the, so that's what I did. I it's, it's sort of like identified specific roles and I put them together as a group. And then I put a little bit of compression on the group so that the elements were interacting a little bit. And yeah, so. yeah. Um, I just lost my question that I had. Maybe it'll come back. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's um, like one other thing which. Oh, I no, actually, uh, sorry. Okay. I actually yeah. remember it. Maybe, maybe I'll forget it again if I don't say it. Um, I, I also think that this is a. a, a it's interesting as an electronic musician, like in the, in the kind of electronica world where people are often composing and mixing their music or, you know, this whole idea of being a producer means actually you're producing a, a beat for somebody or something. But, but I, and, and where the whole, you know, working with effects and sound like sonic details is already part of the compositional process. And you don't want to, you know, I didn't want to hand this music to somebody who would then say, you know, this would be really nice with a big delay on it. And and this, you know, how you would maybe treat an, a vocal in a rock band or treat a guitar and say, you know, this could be really cool with a phaser on it. That's all that stuff has already been done by me and it already sounded like I wanted it to sound. So the mixing process in a way has to be very under the surface, if, mm -hmm. that, if that's a good word. Yeah, and I I knew you would understand that and and do that justice. You know, when I uh, worked with Kevin Killen, who is uh, a famous sound engineer, um, he he said to me at some point, he said, "Marcus, a little goes a long way," and that has influenced me a lot. Like, <laughs> and it's it's absolutely true what you're saying. Like, if there is if there's a performance that's already a performance and that's kind of like the whole point in a way of mother of millions right yeah. it's it's a performance and so so the the uh, there was no need to add another layer of performance on top of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, yeah and that's that's also why it's well it's yeah like saying it's a pleasure is not the right uh, wording it's more like um um it's 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 in a way it's like it's 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 very difficult to say it's sort of art a work an artistic kind of work that is not on the surface of the art piece so it's more like maybe yeah. framing you know it's like you, mm -hmm. you you choose a frame and like in the mm -hmm. case of 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 your compositions the frame is just it's just a just a plain white surface right other rather mm -hmm. than uh a nice golden, uh, you yes. know, detailed ornamented <laughs> kind yes. of frame, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. hey, and like, what I wanted to say before is, um, what I find so fascinating is that I have, um, I'm keeping a, a, a list of ideas for track titles and album titles, and Mother of Millions was on there, actually, on my list. 
That's super interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you remember? Uh, we we had a couple of of uh, synchronicities like that over the years. Do you remember when you had you were working on the Kopfmensch compilation, and we were chatting on Skype, and you were kind of pondering a different name, and I kind of. You, you kind of mentioned to me that you've been thinking about a name for the album. And I said, you know, I actually have a suggestion. And it was like a similar words, like the same words spelled a different way. And definitely something we never had talked about before. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, to me, it's kind of like obvious you know, if, because we're interested in wordplay. So mm -hmm. when, when you mm -hmm. hear a mother of thousands and you know like and then it it's kind of natural to go to permutate that right yeah <laughs> yeah their mo mother of millions is a plant as well i think it's a different one but i don't really know about it so if it was just a phrase and you know it's it's one of these plants that kind of spreads in a very strange fractal way so and and this whole idea of fractal and you know like the 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 it also it's also got spikes and it's it's a a succulent which is you know very um, supple in a way so that's that these are all qualities that i hear in my music and but there's nothing beyond that it's just it just feels like it has it speaks about potential i would say but you also mentioned that uh samira was was pregnant uh when you started working it so mother is kind of like a very appropriate yeah word yeah. also you know? Yeah, but you know, I didn't, I didn't have a name for the music. Also for the tracks, uh, well, I, I did have too many names, and nothing really felt right. And mm -hmm. you know, this whole, this whole process of naming things is also something that we have uh, spoken a lot about over the years, and our, our love for, for words and the sound of words, and you know, uh, wordplay and stuff like that. And you know, wordplay is nothing else than a generative strategy to. Um, um generate new meanings or, or unveil new layers of meaning mm -hmm. so which which titles did you come up with for this album then and I, and what do sorry. they what did they mean i i just realized they hadn't plugged in my computer here ah, yeah. so okay i, I need, need to, to do, do that, that. yes yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> well i had you know i have uh i i am i am a pretty I am I'm fascinated by taking notes on my thoughts and revisiting them over time. And so I have a text file with potential names for things. So for tracks or for albums or for projects and could be names for a piece that I'm working on, or it could be a name for which I think I should probably make a piece. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I you know, I keep sometimes a couple of names fit together and I group them and then I take them apart again or I, I write a sentence about how that would fit to something else. And I just, I realized that with Mother of Millions, I didn't want to imply too much about what, there's always a danger of over-determining what, what a piece is about which I have strong doubts about anyway, what music, I don't really think most music is about anything unless you, you know, add vocals or 
that explicitly want to transport a meaning. But for me, I mean, Mother of Millions is like the opposite of that. It's music to which I want, you know, I wanted to wash over you. So um, I, I'm not also also not going to tell somebody what a hot bath is going to feel like. It's like you know, you know, slip into it and and let it work on you. And that's that's what I want. So I still. You know, there's there's recurring qualities I would say in in the album, and I I gave those names, and then I just uh, or not names really, but labels, and and I I just started to to label parts and pieces that way. So some some pieces have several parts, and some people have um, have just one part as a name. But even you know, even there's a there's a, a central piece to the album called Ending Two, but even that piece is like a it has three parts, but they don't have separate names. But so it's not, it's not about you know, labeling each part of a piece. It's really just more, more like, which qualities are predominant, and then, um, being fine with that. Another strategy that I had considered was like giving every piece five names. So um, I learned about this concept of overfitting, and um, you know just like giving an options an option for names so several names per piece but i i didn't, didn't do that and i'm really happy with the choices that i made mm -hmm. yeah like because in a way that's also like the way that the tracks are titled is very prog as well <laughs> if mm -hmm. you know with this with the mm -hmm. sub subtitles let's say for sections mm -hmm. and stuff and uh and it's 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 funny because like as you say mostly there is no there's no real um meaning behind the music or behind the words but then when they come together and you have a, somebody receiving this information um these these you can you can sort of like influence the um the um the direction of how people will will interpret things, right? Yes, and, and, and it's all it's also true for um, for the cover artwork. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I think if you have yes. an album that's mostly black or mostly pink or whatever, you know, there's yes. there's a different kind of priming for the the brains yeah. of the listeners. Yeah, I'm I'm very sensitive to that and always have been, and and that's why I. I'm often hesitant about assigning, you know, I'm with, with, with an album like mother of millions, I wanted something really vivid and really uh, like really shockingly alien basically, but, but, uh, but also very natural at the same time. So this, this dichotomy was uh, had to be in there, but with other music, I, I am um, kind of didn't, don't want artwork that um, influences the perception too much, but you can't help it anyway. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. So speaking of like the the organic aspect, and you said you used the MS twenty, um, and that that is a purely analog synthesizer, right? Yes. Okay. So so how would you how would you describe just just from the perspective maybe of actually of the individual sound? Um, how does the what does the analog domain <laughs> um, give you or give the sound or give give as an option for expression that you um, kind of embrace with this album? Or is it not, or is it not even important? Like, um, as I said earlier, the, the, the option to have 
you know, 40 or whatever knobs. It's, I said 50, but I think it's actually less. It's more like 30 knobs that you can tweak while the synthesizer is playing is really just something I don't have on my, most of my digital setups. So I, I often use all kinds of controllers when I'm working with a computer-based uh, setup. But, it, you know, having that synthesizer uh, and it being what it is, you you just you just there are so many entrance points in into shaping a sound that for me with you know all the skills that i have and my my trained ear that i have but having no knowledge of this instrument whatsoever i just i just listened and reacted to what i was hearing and tried out how different settings kind of put the the system into into different states or phase states you know there's when you have with the ms20 you have two oscillators and several filters and you have a complex matrix how you can root things but i don't even do complex routings but because the instrument in itself has these options where things just start to oscillate and Mm-hmm. start to go slightly out of tune and you could you can work a lot with and I, I go completely over the top with things like um, filter resonances and stuff like that and I mm-hmm. it was just you know I was so I was basically getting drunk on that it was it's it's a, this this whole screaming filters things this really intense almost physical quality of the sound is something that I'm very much drawn to and mm-hmm. And that's what I was going after. And then I, I contrasted that with mellower textures. And, you know, when you're overdubbing, you can always you can always bring in parts in different aspects of the spectrum. You know, you've, maybe you feel like something sounds very good, but it could really do with a nice soft bass below it. And then I would try to work like that. And that's also how they, the album turned out to be what I call full spectrum music, where it's literally sub basses to very very high frequencies all present in in a um like in 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 a way where no spectrum is more dominant than the other basically so you Mm -hmm. you don't have like very high overtones but it's actually a really loud high overtone that's um complementing what's what's happening in the more normal registers yeah exactly and that's that's actually also how i approach the the mixing Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you didn't, well, maybe you mentioned this, um, but, you know, like you just mentioned two, two aspects of um, using the, uh, the MS-20. One was like more the physical, the haptic uh, aspect of being able to control things, right? So that doesn't have to be necessarily have to be a, a, an analog device. That could also be a digital device with controllers assigned, as yes. you say, right? Yeah. So, but um, on the sonic side, and this is why I'm just asking you again, because like, I think you've, you know, again, like, so this, 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 um, this quality of the analog filters, the uh, the screaming, like the over the top part that you were um, talking about. Um, in the, I mean, I, I'm giving the answer myself. <laughs> so it feels I'm like curious that, to hear that, it. That, yeah. uh, well, what happens is that you have like there's sort of like a, a physical limit that the analog um, gear sort of like suggests, like within the framework of it, like like any any um, there are there are no discrete steps, right? So and and you sort of you sort of have like no matter 
if you think in terms of rational numbers let's say right like you get like the whole the whole number line mm -hmm. you know that you get you know in the natural numbers you get it also in the rational numbers right and mm -hmm. and so so in a way what happens with the uh, with the filters and stuff is they sort of exist within this this endless uh, this field of endless resolution let's yeah. say and that's that's why um this kind of like over over the top thing that you do here even though it's over the top it sort of gets it gets um uh, there's sort of like a ceiling yes to it somehow right and yeah. that's maybe the word i was looking for yeah. all the time yeah. there's this yes. this ceiling and that's that's where where it kind of like lives within this space that's almost physical yeah right? yeah and also you know there are these parts where i had tonal sequences that uh, i was generating on the computer uh, with uh in ableton live and i would feed them to the to the synthesizer because the cool thing about the ms20 mini this reissue is that it has a usb input where you can send it midi pitches it doesn't you can't oh. control any parameters but you can send it pitch information mm -hmm. so i can send it sequences of pitches and i can then tweak the sound i can then play the sound while the sequence is playing and there's there's a couple of pieces on the album where you hear i mean where you can basically uh like where where this whole dance music kind of thins out and there's one line um uh emerging and you know just playing for itself for a couple of minutes and i was i'm I, it's basically the same sequence of notes always permutated in, in terms of pitch and me just trying to find a development a sonic development that would fit it so there's you know going from very mellow to very intense or uh, stuff like that and then it becomes a matter of restraint right you have to do you have to tweak the settings very 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 carefully so that you get a musical development not just random squeaking and and uh, beeping so when you are not using the um, MIDI sequences coming from the computer, uh, what did you use to input um, uh, pitch information? Was that a well, little keyboard? I, well, I, I did no, no, no. I did use I did use the computer for some pitches. Like wh whenever there's something like a proper melody, it's it's a it's a synthesizer. There's lots of like three and four mode note motifs that i'm repeating on, over the top of each other that's played on the keyboard but then when when there's melodies um um you know for example in the final piece there's this whole thing where it's it's like a gong and almost bell melody and it's doubled by by a synth and that's all generated you, you know i mean i i can explain it and I don't have to explain it to you, but maybe to those who are interested in uh, in Ableton Live, the tool that we both use and and love is uh, there's the option to have these MIDI clips that loop, and you can uncouple the permutation of certain parameters from each other. You can so you could have a you can have a, like a, a three note sequence, and do a transposition envelope on that where where you could say you know I'm I'm going to have one bar that is repeating. But the action transpos actual transposition of notes is repeating out of sync to that bar, and then you could stack these processes and do things like that, and um, suddenly you get you kind of you use what is called often called in generative uh, 
creativity a kind of a cell and then you just let it play out and see what happens and you get all these permutations so i was i was kind of looking for these little very simple cells and had them play and then i would just play the sound and you know obviously there was more recorded than is on the album and some of it works out beautifully and some of it doesn't but in general with this album it's actually it's pretty interesting like a lot like four fifths of what I recorded is actually on the album and I was going to shorten it. And whenever I shortened it, I kind of realized that I shouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, I was, it's, it's 72 minutes long and it's, it's asking a lot of a listener. I think it works in terms of a 72 minute album as a, like, if you want to close your eyes and listen to it on a good stereo, uh, good headphones that mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. But some of the pieces are like, as you said, one, one is over 20 minutes long and, several are around 10 to 15 minutes so it's it's basically like a whole series of eps you, you can also you know you can take one piece of 13 minutes and just listen to that and um yeah i'm i'm happy that i didn't cut too many things and it also mm -hmm. speaks to it speaks to to the beauty of that process because i recorded most of the material over process of over time like two months so after my daughter was born also i spent spent my evenings alone and um, um it was dark and you know, just had my desk lamp and we're just overdub and overdub and overdub and it, it kind of it's really like a prolonged state of flow that i had somehow and that's also why I've been so careful about adding and subtracting from the music. And I've, I've, you know, as you know, I've, I've had long phases where I would not touch the material and then listen to it a lot, which is also not something I, I, I try not to listen to my music too much while I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, only when I'm working on it, but not listening to a piece 20 times before I sit down and work on it again. But, but with this music, I kind of felt like I had to, come to understand what it's doing to me as well. That's, that's the whole other part, which is very interesting and that I haven't really found the words for that. It's, I, I feel like this music is really, I made it for myself. It's, it's the music that I need and it's the music that I want to hear. And, um, I've never really managed to do that before. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, so it was, um, about two months in 2016, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, as you said, you didn't really uh, touch it much after. So it took it took quite a while for you to to accept this as being as being the album, or like what what happened? What happened <clears throat> after? Like so, what was what did the process entail to then finally say, okay, this is it? Or was it just like that you were distracted by family business, let's say? Yeah, or... yeah not family so much, but just other work. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, uh, I was um, involved in a lot of stage productions and stuff like that, which were very, very time-consuming and energy-consuming. <clears throat> so, in, excuse me. <clears throat> In 2016 and 17, there was still a lot of that going on, and I was I would just not have the time to properly inhabit the space of the album. I I I knew early on that it's gonna that it was music that I would be releasing eventually, and I knew that it was kind of a big thing for me personally. 
So I um, I listened. I had it on my phone. I listened to to the tracks that I had, and I I also mined the material for other projects. You know, I did actually use samples for from the album in in a pulp noir production in certain parts, and I did. In the fall of 2017, I did actually um, commission two students from the place where I used to teach to do a sound installation remix of my, of the piece ending two, and um, so I was I was kind of approaching the material in, in these different ways and looking at it from different perspectives, and then I I you know I did some overdubs again, but not so much with the analog synthesizer, I guess, but more. Um, some digital synths and some field recording things that I kept integrating because that was also something that I realized would feed into that. I, I wanted to use recorded sounds um, from my archive and um, but not really use them as like a background, but really integrate them into the texture of the album. So I, I don't really think you you'll hear them as, you know, synth uh, field recording as a background for the music, but it's actually part of the texture of the music. And mm-hmm. just just real, you know, having these realizations and understanding what what is needed was um, was important. And then also, you know, cutting and editing things, you know, and and not just cutting away, but also what, what I probably should mention also is that the whole album was composed in one Ableton Live session. So it's I, I whenever I started a new piece, I would just add a new track at the bottom start overdubbing again when i was kind of done i would start after that on the timeline add a new track and so on which meant that i had the whole album at my disposal all the time and what i what i realized i could do is you know copy little snippets from one track or you know outtakes from one track and actually integrate them into other tracks so for for people who like that kind of stuff there's there's lots or there's at least several little things from you know rhythmic snippets or sonic things that pop up in other pieces which you maybe have heard before or they kind of make an entrance in one piece and then they are fully developed in another piece so that's Mm -hmm. also something that needed time you know and then then there came a point where i realized that i was starting to overdo it and to over over edit and over process it which is when i let it rest again and then yeah, and then it was basically doing a rough mix and getting it ready into a into a form, but but still, it it's, it was a very intuitive process. You know, it's just iteration upon iteration, just listening and making decisions. And I also remember with one piece, uh, um, there's there's this really extreme bass line that's developing out of the piece, and it's it's distorted and it, it's kind of totally over the top, and then. I think it's the fourth piece on the album. And um, I remember kind of deciding to cut the last two minutes away because I was thinking it was just too much. And then I, I when I saved that for you to mix, you kind of didn't realize I had uploaded a new session file and you mixed the old version anyway. And then I, I decided to leave that in because it just, you know, somehow I, I, I decided that's, it's good. It's, there's no... In a way, there's no too much with this project. Yeah, well, there's there's never too much. That's that's uh, a myth. <laughs> um, yeah. So you just said that in the editing process, 
um, you were kind of like almost creating like a, you were ensuring that it's a suite of pieces where they're, you know, they're, the pieces are ref self-referential, but also um, referencing other tracks. And, and so that's, that's a very nice and very, very, uh, very traditional thing to do in music mm -hmm. composition. So mm -hmm. um, it's great. So, and, and, but you also mentioned that you did some treatments at that stage. Um, what, what kind of treatment was that? Like, how did you, how did you process the, um, MS-20 recordings? There's actually very, very little. There's there's some distortion on a couple of tracks, mm -hmm. but I mean, the, the, the rough sound of the synthesizer can be very distorted anyway already, and so there's not really a, a need for much of that, but there's a couple, couple of harsh distortion in, in a few places, and then there's some delay treatments on a very few tracks mm -hmm. and more like a more like a compositional strategy like very long delays and things like that but i also i also did things where you know i would record four minutes of one voice and then i would cut it in half and put the two halves on top of each other so they're kind of similar but running out of sync and i would pan them left and right and and it's it's really more a combinatorics there's some filtering obviously you know pre even pre your mix where when i realized you know i i can cut the low end from this part because it's gonna it's gonna cause problems with the bass and things mm -hmm. like that but very 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 few things and there's a couple of um digital synthesizers which i guess i recorded more or less as it is you know using physical modeling synthesis which is some something else that is a, a topic that I'm very interested in. And there's a couple of, you know, I, I did take a few digital synth sounds and, and shredded them with granular synthesis. And, but I'm, I'm also, you know, it, I don't really, I don't really feel like that. Don't really feel like it matters. It's, um, I've always been very, careful not to confuse treatments and tools and effects with the actual musical substance which is unfortunately a thing that i i um i think is a big problem often when when people have powerful tools at their disposal and they they use them in very obvious ways and um mm -hmm. so the music is really it's i wanted to keep it very pure not in an ideological sense but um oh. i mean it's very it's very dirty in terms of sound but i didn't really it i don't want it to sound processed you know it's not it's very deliberately not a a project that's trying to sound like 2021 you know digital extravaganza it's in a way mm. it's it, i feel like it's a, it's more rooted in the 70s maybe and in terms of the the heart of it and but it is in you know the way that i work with the analog synthesizer obviously and and as you said you know the compositional aspects is obviously informed by by my love for you know all of music history and uh, the, the the many many compositional techniques and aesthetic insights that that i have uh, gained from that you know, that's may, maybe coming back to your question about why choosing you to mix the album. That's just because you're not an engineer. You're you're a musician 
in 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 the sense that you know your history and you know you know so many there's so many aesthetic positions you are familiar with and that you can inhabit if if need be um so it's just never an issue of, of communication yeah 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 i just picked up on your word treatments because i wish you know it didn't sound to me like it was further processed much anyway so no. So yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Now I understand because I was a little surprised. <laughs> um, how has how has like this? Well, you know, you said that. Well, maybe it's I'm rephrasing this, um, but there's been a process of letting go of some of your um, concepts or ideas about artistic expression with this album and. Um, I wonder how this has found a way into your into your um, uh, teaching activities about um, such tools like uh, Max MSP, for example, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I I see that, um, and we, we we already talked about that that you know the aspect of kind of using using music technology as ear training, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, does this would you say this plays a big role in how in how you approach the teaching aspect of it nowadays it's hard to say if it had a, you know if these uh, revelations if you want to call them that had had a direct influence but because also my my teaching has changed because i i didn't teach these things for a couple of years except for you know a few private lessons with people here and then but uh, last June, I started to teach a weekly class on these topics. And this has been going on for, you know, what is it now? 10 months, mm -hmm. 11 months, basically. And um, I have learned, I would say I've learned a lot about how to frame my teaching and how, it dif how to differentiate it from the way that these technology technologies are usually taught which is as technologies so the way that i learned so the the tool that i teach and, and use a lot is is max by cycling 74 and um the way that i learned it was very much based on here's a range of techniques that you can program with these tools you can build a sampler and you can do live sampling and you can process you know can vary the playback speeds and you can and you can also do additive synthesis by combining different, you know, sine wave oscillators. And then you can do FM synthesis with it. Here's how to do that. And then you, you kind of, you get these tutorials and you try out things. And for me, it, it took a long time to, to realize that what I wanted from that tool was actually the surprise element, like the generative potential that is there. And, and that's something that I kind of, learned on my own and you know taught myself on my own i know that many people have been doing this before but for me it wasn't about you know how can i build my own virtual analog synthesizer i wasn't i've, I've never been a gearhead and i never i wasn't you know i'm not very interested in fiddling with technology to see what happens i do that here and there to to get to know a tool but um the way that i teach max nowadays is very much focused on the musical side you know how can you use that tool 
to create music that sounds fresh and interesting to you. And music could just be a sequence of 10 notes. You know, music doesn't mean, doesn't have to be a 72 minute album. It's uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, how, how can you come up with interesting rhythms? Mm-hmm. And that's irrespective of musical style, right? Also, Max MSP is often taught in, in, in this space of, you know, you have overlords like Otecker and, uh, you know, choose, choose, choose your favorite here, which, which I admire and which I, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing music. It's, um, it's, um, that's all fair and good, but, and, and I, I actually, I would approach teaching things like that, but from a compositional angle and not in the sense of mangling sounds or tweaking knobs and, you know, what often is how these things are sold. So I, I do things like I take musical concepts and then I present them how, how you can do that in Max. And this, this could be like things from my own practice. And I also, you know, develop my own terms for my own approaches. And, and I teach that and I give that to the participants and they kind of try it out on their own. And then we compare notes and compare software patches. But it could also be like historical concepts. For for example, over the past few years, we've looked at hockets and kind of different ways of how that has been applied throughout music history and how and why it lends itself to parametrization and and how it could be how the concept could be applied in other domains like not not just in the voice domain but in other domains and and i just i would just like to to make that kind of thinking available to all kinds of musicians who are interested in you know further developing their own understanding of music and their own creativity and the tools that they have at their disposal, irregard, uh, irrespective of, of um, the musical style they're in. So I've had participants who are instrumentalists who are not really familiar with electronic music, but it works for them just the same. And maybe coming back to your question after another long answer, um, th- th- my deepening of the deepening of my understanding that this is really what matters and recognizing yet again with mother of millions that it's about the goosebumps and not about the technology you know is is just just made me confident to offer that teaching and i'm very happy that people made um you know uh, took took up the offer and and kind of run with it and um Throughout this past year of teaching, I just I just realized more and more that the way I want these technologies framed is is from that from that angle, you know, not not in the sense of here's how you can make a cool thing that sounds like X and Y, and it's not it's not about you know copying any aesthetics or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in, you know the way that I use them is to really it's really it's a process of self-inquiry, right? You know, finding out who you are and who you are becoming and, and, you know, speaking of that feedback cycle, trying to, trying to build a compass to where you need to go and using the technology to pull you there. And that's just not something that you can teach in by teaching sound synthesis on its own terms or by teaching a, by doing a tutorial on how to do this or that. These are all just smaller components in a larger process. And I'm, 
I'm interested in giving people the tools and the knowledge to and the practice to to go there if they so desire. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think it really um, is very much about the attitude of how you how you teach or how you make people listen, because mm -hmm. like when you say like it could be it couldn't be done with pure synthesis. I think it could because it just depends on how would how would the teacher make the people listen and and yes. if you were just applying permutations to like the noise ratio of something like you know if people actually pay attention and to mm -hmm. hear the differences in sound and and, mm -hmm. and such and and i you know um i have made um kind of like uh, you know because of COVID, i've been teaching more and so i also had to dive more into my um magic little box of of skills and knowledge right and uh pull out these interesting things and, you know, starting to realize uh, how much, and I, I say this about me now, because I know, I know for a fact, it's the same for you, like to realize how much, how much skillful, um, and I don't want to say knowledge, because it's not about knowledge, it's experience, skillful experience, like we have gathered over many mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. of, of, of diving deep into these into this into this attitude of living with yes. music right yes yeah. and 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 that's that's really what what has become so incredibly uh, satisfying to for me as a teacher to pass that on in yeah. in in ways that i didn't really expect to be um available and it's just like because of COVID, the time there was more time there there were people who were kind of like prepared to even have, have regular lessons with me, which when I was touring, it, it hardly happened, right? Mm -hmm. but, and and so there's mm -hmm. a lot of power in uh, in these these times that you know. I I can see people who who I thought they were just um, talkers, right, and not you know not walkers. <laughs> um, mm -hmm that turned out to actually be walkers now that they mm -hmm. have time to do things mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. so it's yes. it's same it's, for me yeah 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 I've, I've noticed that as well and it's it's beautiful yeah so would you would you tell me a little bit about the surprising parts the, or like the discoveries that you've made in in terms of your own sure. how your teaching changed sure you know for me it's um it's like the uh, okay. It's on two. It's on two different levels. Like the one level is like the psychological level, where I'm actually doing much more. Um, it's much more about um, you could say therapy um, on the on the level of sort of getting people to um, discover or to to allow their musical side to actually come through. Mm -hmm. like where it's about like uh, criticism like self-criticism or the critic mm -hmm. within you and like how to kind of like make sure the inner communication kind of gets sorted so that you can actually get get creative you can actually do yes. things and that there's not like the the critical part that kind of like you know shuts down every action right even before yeah. it's been taken and mm -hmm. and so this is this this has been i mean this has been part of what i've been doing for a long time but now it's become like super um a, a real focus for me to kind of like find out like what are the what are the um psychological limitations of a person comes to me and asks for help right and so then it's necessary you know if somebody asks me about like 
playing guitar, right? Like guitar lessons. But I realized the problem is somewhere else. Then I, I just try to kind of like help and kind of like mix up these, um, the, the, the guitar teaching with the um acceptance part and yes and 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 that's that's sort of that has become like really very much um, um a thing and and to like encourage people for example right like the, you know there's some people who don't do homework right and so when 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 so they don't work on assignments right so what happens is you know if somebody comes back to me every week anyway right not doing the homework Mm -hmm. I actually say, it's amazing, it's wonderful that you are here and that you commit to this process of meeting me every week, even though you, you know, you didn't get to do the homework. Right? Because like one of the, one of the, one of the uh, um, uh, paths that some people take is that they, they get so embarrassed or shame, feel shameful about not delivering right mm -hmm. so that they then completely withdraw from the process yes and 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 so what i'm trying to encourage in people that even if you can't walk the walk sometimes right you still return to the source you still you still dream the dream you don't yes. let go of the dream because you can't do something at yes. a particular time so you need basically that is like allow yourself enough time when you know or 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 you know uh, wait you could also say wait for when the time is right to then actually walk the walk and and this has been this is actually working this is this is the fascinating part of it and um you know i say this as a person who maybe like 10 years ago uh would tell you that i you know i wasn't believing that people can ever change right so i have mm -hmm. i have i have learned that people do actually change Yes. Can change and that's a beautiful thing yes. and yeah and that's that's one level and the other level is about uh, teaching music theory where i've sort of like discovered i i i think i've discovered a new way to teach music theory which is uh which is would you know it's uh, uh it's a whole another conversation as you were yeah, saying let's, have, but, <laughs> let's but, have that one as well <laughs> yes yeah but it's it's beautiful because there is i think there's a way to teach music theory in such a way that you kind of like um you um emphasize the fact that the notes are equal like all the like the 12 notes in the system that we use they're all equal mm -hmm. um but at the same time you do like you combine it with that ear training aspect where of, of course they are not the same if do you if you put them in relationship with say a drone right like each mm -hmm. note has a different flavor then but the, the 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 potential or the probability for each note should still be the same even though they sound different but then it's just like a matter of having like free choice of which which pitch do i want to use rather than Kind of like subscribing to a system that I can only use seven or five of twelve notes, right? Yes. And so, so that's why, like this, this, uh, this new way of teaching music theory is based on the circle of fifth and explaining why we don't take the next note in the circle, right? Because we're a chromatic cluster, and you know that's the, we're trying to explain why are there diatonic scales, why are there pentatonic scales, what what is like the physical reason for them to exist. Mm -hmm. And, and then from that point, like I start um, explaining like what a dominant chord is and why mm -hmm. it is and, 
and uh, why the tritone is called the devil in music because it introduces symmetry which causes all sorts of problems mm -hmm. uh, which are beautiful beautiful problems you know it's stuff like that mm -hmm. so. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah beautiful yeah yeah I've, you know going going back to your first point i i also noticed like profound changes in in people over the past few months and i I, I also, you know, my, my maybe I should say about my seminars, what I first did was I offered modules where it was like a seven-week, two-hour-per-week meeting, like an introduction to composing with Max. I, uh, that's what I call it. And um, and people would take that. And then I, I had so many interested people that I could offer a second one. And then I kind of took the people who wanted to continue and you know, we looked at kind of offered other modules into the fall. And then I took a few weeks break because I had other work to do. And then I returned with this idea of having like a cohort of people who just meet every week. And I, I offer like input in terms of, um, you know, diving into a topic that people are interested in or that they need in their process, but also people trying to develop their own projects or you know just lines of inquiry into a topic maybe just research on how could i do this and this and that was beautiful and now what what has formed out of this is like a group of people that meets every week yeah. and sometimes we just talk sometimes it's sometimes there's no screen sharing with max patches going on sometimes i do that for 30 minutes or an hour but there have been there have been evenings where it's just you know five or eight people just talking and listening and reacting to each other and i used to think that i should give people input i should i used to think that it's you know they they pay me money to be here i'm i'm the teacher i i am i should offer a new topic i should offer this and this and this and i'm also very vocal about my insecurities which is also something that i've just accepted over the the years so i i address that with the group and say you know i actually uh, what should I do? And I was wondering this and that. And now it's really a co-creation of, of, uh, of a group of people that helps each other along the way. And it's still, you know, I, I'm, I've, I'm offering a third introduction class, but I don't have enough participants yet. So um, while that is not happening, we are just working every Monday, meeting every Monday, and sometimes having these really profound realizations and and also me you know i hear i hear there's there's phds in music in my class but there's also people who are just you know interested in music there's there's participants who don't really work with max but are interested in the principles and that's that's just wonderful and i i learn from them and also i um i get asked many questions which then prompt me to say things I never heard myself say before. You know, just with, just as with this interview, it's if you're having deep conversations, you you're not really, you never really know what you're going to say, and you might. There have been moments when I've been listening back to the recordings, just just to hear again if what I say it makes sense, because it's really like an improvisation. And sometimes mm -hmm. I I qualify it at the end and say, you know, that was that was a rant. I'm not really sure if anything anything I've said is true, but then that's how you come up with novel perspectives and novel insights. So that's it's yeah. it's really it's really not about the technology, and it's really not about 
the like musical styles, but it's it's this idea of growing into your future self you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and helping that process along. And technology just allows us to accelerate the whole feedback cycle between, you know, if you know, just think about how Beethoven wrote his music or people, you know, people like that, where you kind of write music over a long period of time and then you bring it to the orchestra and they rehearse it and then just the feedback cycle until you, until you hear what's actually going on was so long and nowadays with tools with the tools that we have available in electronic music it doesn't really make sense anymore to invent music out of your head and then you know draw the notes into the sequencer and then hear how it sounds it's all it's all these little feedback loops feeding into each other and we can just use these tools to to pull us along in a way that's how yeah. i see it yeah 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 um yeah there's were so many interesting things you just said and i i can clearly kind of see this as like a sign of the times that this this aspect of communities forming and actually and this is this is sort of interesting but like people discovering their skills and i would call you know count myself and let like uh, actually discovering skills or um say positives that we can bring into the world that we were not aware of so like just the therapeutic aspect as you say of maybe getting mm-hmm. together in the group and talking and like like you have this common field of interest but then like it, it goes from that that small niche part of the world to everything very quickly mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i find that i find that super fascinating and i was um i'm actually going to start offering um like something like a, meet, a weekly meeting which i want to call um music therapy for musicians um uh we, you know like with no with, no, with just an open meeting like a like mm-hmm. a support group almost like mm-hmm. a um yeah, I mean, I don't want to assign any other words to this, but it's it's sort of interesting that this um, this 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 stupid situation with COVID that we could have been prepared for, right? This this is you know this is something we again a whole another conversation, but um, has led to so many um, interesting discoveries and opportunities, and um, yeah, even. Like I mean, for you, it's it was a little bit different because you you didn't have that opportunity to to tour as a musician. Like and also like for me, it came late. Like you're 38 now, uh, almost. 37. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like I started touring with Stickman when I was 38. So it was mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, but anyway, it's um, it's kind of cool. Like it's sort of like everything culminates in some in something interesting right now, and and. And I really wish that people kind of like listen to your album as sort of like a, um, because it's sort of like a real realization of um, your development in the past five years, you having kids, um, then COVID and, you know, the album was produced during COVID times or mixed massive during COVID times. And um is and this is this is another important aspect uh, did you get any support from the state to make this album happen was there yes, a way I, to do that yeah that was it's actually the first time that i did this for a recording project um 
there was a grant that I could apply for. Mm -hmm. And um, there's actually the canton, like the district of Bern and the city of Bern that are supporting the album. But I also I also had the opportunity to have like a working grant in 2019, I guess. Mm -hmm. That would that just afforded me the opportunity to spend some time working on my art. And it was Mother of Millions, but also um, it wasn't called Mother of Millions at that time. And also a few other projects that I that I could invest time in, mm -hmm. and that that's the first time that I took the opportunity to apply for something like that. I've I've done a lot of grant writing for educational projects over the years, and you know, as as in my my part time job for the Music Festival Bern, that's part of the yearly cycle that you apply for funding and um, you write your you know. You write your post mortems uh, and and do start the, the whole cycle again. So, but but for my own practice, I've never really I've never really done that. But at, at, with Mother of Millions, it's really cool because it also afforded me to pay everybody what they're actually charging, you know, mm -hmm. and not not having to rely on friendship, you know, friends with benefits, so to speak. <laughs> That's something else, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I also know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, not ha not having to rely on you know, can you can you do this for me? And, and uh, which, which you know, we're we're all helping each other out a lot and where we can. And I I, I keep wanna I do wanna keep doing this, but that's also something that you know culminated in in one of my composition exercises that I published, which was also a whole other com uh, conversation. Um, <laughs> Where, you know, just which just states, you know, as a composition exercise, pay your peers. Uh, who 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 would pay them if not you? And mm -hmm. um, I I just think in in these times this has real values, and I I feel very good about that. Yeah. Hey, here's a little story that you may appreciate. Um, as you said, you know, like in the in these meetings that I do, also I'm totally uh, open about my state of mind and insecurities but you know that's that's not the main thing but just like the general state of mind and um, in one of the most recent meetings i shared um the fact that the reason like i do the, all this teaching and i enjoy it very much it's it's a good thing but it really kind of eats up the time and energy um to do my own to work on my own music so and like for the past year to me it was sort of like okay to do that but now I'm starting that it's kind of like starting to eat away at my soul a little bit. It's not the fact that I don't enjoy being available for other people just to work together, right? It's mm -hmm. just it's just that, that that side of my 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 create my, my creativity, like the actual music making, has been uh, cut short somehow, right? And so and now comes now comes the interesting the interesting aspect that after that meeting, one of the participants contacted me and said something like. How stupid is it that we pay you to give us lessons that then make you uh, produce less music? Which kind of like I found that really moving because basically what he was saying was, you know, I'd rather pay you to make music. And uh, that was um, that was very inspirational. And it has kind of like inspired me to actually try to actually have a musical project, uh, musical project this summer. Where I actually go into a studio and uh, and I record an album um, as a real solo artist, um, mm -hmm. 
I, I find that, that that's super moving, like these kind of uh, this kind of feedback that some people from the outside, they start seeing these things and start understanding these things. And that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and I, I see and I wish that the same would also happen uh, to you somehow with like I say with this new album, but with you as a musician uh, in, in, in the greater sense, because mm -hmm. I think uh, um, I think that there's there's you, you have a lot more to contribute uh, in the field of the art of music itself, rather than just in the uh, in, in the teaching of it, even though yeah. we know it's kind of like you know, it goes it's, like it's this. You know. Yeah, it's composition by proxy is what I recently called it. You know, the, okay. the, the, the privilege of, you know, if, if we are if we are talking about algorithmic composition as delegating parts of the decision making to to the algorithms, then giving giving the algorithms or giving the knowledge to other people who then apply it in their own um practice is is also a kind of composition not mm -hmm. in the sense that i then take ownership of what they have done with what i've given them but you know seeing seeing other people light up with insights and and applying that to their own work is just it's just very very satisfying and i um but but for me it's exactly the same you know i have in the past few years also you know having a second kid who is pretty uh you know demanding in terms of energy and you know making a living and, and everything it's just been hard for me to have like a regular practice on and to just you know work on my own project but it's it's um it's something that i've started to to do more again and um also always open for collaborations with the right people and and it's something i i try you know, ideally, I would kind of like have a day per week where I can spend that I can spend on making music. That's kind of my midterm goal to 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 um, just have, you know, not having to switch between parenting and several kinds of jobs and teaching and all, all that to just have the space. So I need I need to find a way to to make that work also in terms of, you know, you know, having maybe having a subscriber base or something, but mm -hmm. that's just mm -hmm. something that's going to take a lot of time. So, yeah, I agree. So the 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 composition not by proxy is for me something that I really, really um, need to find a, a, a way back into. In a way, I was mm -hmm. just teaching with my class. I was just talking with my class about this on last Monday's meeting because you know I I keep coming up with new really interesting things you know so 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 um i so, somebody had a question about could you know do you suppose you could do that and that and that and i said you know let's find out and i kind of coded something and then you know we talked about it and i took suggestions and we i came up with this really really interesting way of generating musical structures that i hadn't thought of before and then you know i kind of realized you know it's, it's yet another thing that i can teach but i don't i don't really have the headspace to develop it into a, into a composition Mm -hmm. Because it's it's always also you know obviously the teaching is more it has more weight if you can relate it to your practice and I've, I'm yes. using you know I'm using all my pieces all my releases as cornerstones to which I can refer and from which I can pull things to to feed into the practice so ideally it's all it's all influencing each other and reinforcing each other and I I try to you know I try to 
built the teaching practice, but I also kind of want to have the musical practice have its own uh, its own place in my schedule, so to speak. Yeah, you know that's that that's uh, really uh, an aspect that for some reason I was being made aware of, <laughs> even by myself, just uh, in this past couple of weeks that. A lot of teaching that happens is like where where people people who teach they don't actually it doesn't really come from a field of of real life experience, right? So, but more as as sort of like a context of of academia, like you know, in a way. And I find I I still find that to be super challenging. If I well, you know, you know that that story that both my teachers when I was like 18 uh, told me not to study music. They kind of like, they were very clear uh, with that instruction, right? Um, do, you, do you, I mean, you you having like more contact with academia than, than I have, like, do you see that there's probably, that there's some change happening there? That, that there's more practice as a background for What I see is, and I have to qualify this. I, I am um, the last time I taught in a, you know, at the university level was in that was four years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and I never had a proper teaching position. You know, I had a like an assistant lecturer place, and I've been doing like guest guest lecturing for for like a semester and you know doing some some classes like two three day classes and stuff like that and project mentoring so that's that's my uh that's what i can where i'm coming from and mm -hmm. what what i see is that there's not a lot of prolific artists working in academia mm -hmm. and there's not there's not a lot you, you know, put it put the other way around. There's not a lot of people working in academia who who have a big, continuous, strong output, artistic mm -hmm. output. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it it seems like it seems like you know you kind of have to decide because both fields like art and and academia they just demand a lot. You know, if you're if you're in academia, you're expected to do research. And you're expected to teach and then also having an artistic practice is can be hard unless you have like a smaller you know not a full-time academician academy academiologist it's um <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a second something has just messed with my audio settings That's i can weird. still i can still hear you yeah, I can hear you very loud, so I need to find a way to make it quieter. Okay. I'm going to have to quickly unplug my headphones because that's what did the trick before we started recording. Okay. Okay. No problem. Hello? Yeah, here we are. Okay. Wow. So sorry about that. It's <laughs> no, it, no that, this is this has never happened before this morning. Strange. Okay, so what I 
feel and what what was very important for me when I taught was that I was active as an artist. You know, I was I was working with this performance group a lot, and we were we were you know we were playing like fifty fifty uh, fifty gigs in five years maybe, which sounds like not too much, but it's like things where you're rehearsing for six weeks full time to play mm-hmm. a run of eight shows and mm-hmm. and um, where you kind of develop the whole piece in the rehearsal space, you know, and like multimedia, all kinds of complex, um, uh, multidisciplinary things. And at the same time, I was teaching one to two days a week. And, and I kind of realized that I, you know, I would spend the whole day or like three days in rehearsal space. And then the next day I had like six project mentoring dates with students. And I could, I felt like, I could I could pull from that lived experience and and speak from a place of of lived experience and what I see is that the the strongest teachers in academia that I know are very very knowledgeable and also very empathetic in the sense that they feel where the student is coming from and what kind of knowledge they should ideally share at this moment so you know where's what's the next step that this person needs and how can i give it to them and in terms of skills and in terms of you know opening up a space of reference that's super helpful and i have i had wonderful teachers and which were later my colleagues and at the same time there's a part where you can only speak with authority about the artistic practice part if you have an artistic practice mm-hmm. that that on your own and working i i see that people switch to academic jobs and then they kind of lose their practice which is which is a shame because i think these both these things can influence each other and mm-hmm. yeah ideally ideally an academic practice should leave the space for you to keep your artistic practice mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, that's spoken from the outside. I, it's been a few years and, and um, I just always knew that for me, I'm, I probably have an academic disposition, but, but also I'm, I'm very much driven by my own questions. So I, I have a hard time researching questions that I'm not interested in. And, and I, I feel like I kind of approach my whole life like like a subject a subject of study in a way you know i i just yeah i use my my personal development and my 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 uh you know being a father and being an artist being a teacher that this is all feeding into each other in ways that i wouldn't want to have to write down in a paper it's it's more like a like a knowledge graph and it's more like a really interconnected thing and i just I think it's also it's also it's good to have that kind of research-based side at your disposal if you need it if you if you want to build on that. But it's it's at the moment I'm very comfortable with uh, you know having my own systems in place for for which how how I do my own research in in quotation marks and how I then give that to people. And I you know the whole point of these classes is that I think these these practices are in a way you know in a way generative compositional strategies are the you know folk music principles of our time mm-hmm. we are surround we're surrounded by algorithms we are we are you know algorithmic literacy if you want to call it that is like 
paramount at the moment. And yes. taking these things which have been developed in academic settings and bringing them to the people and making clear that it's it's something that you can apply no matter what your background is if you if you think it's useful is very very essential and it's happening in a lot of places actually i've been very interested in over the past year or so in in the whole space of what they call tools for thought and you know this there's a, a new generation of note taking idea generation systems emerging which is very very promising and it's still it's still early days but it feels like the time is ripe that these these kinds of um technologies and knowledge and literacy of these technologies are reaching a wider audience yes yeah you know this whole kind of like um segmentation of people and roles within the creative feel let's say or the world in general is something that um also needs maybe some sort of revision so when we're talking about the artists and we're talking about academia like like it's you know i i, I would like to be careful there because like yeah. the, a very good example was my high school teacher for example who was um the, the best teacher in the world like he made me who i am right it's incredible composition teacher and music theory teacher and and he you know and i'm just giving you this this story because it's just such, such a it kind of like demonstrates that maybe sometimes we're wrong with our assessments right he was very much aware of the fact that he was an artist who didn't get to do the things he was doing he meant to do because he said that to me in the very last meeting i had with him he said marcus i'm he said he literally said i'm very sad that i didn't get to do what i was meant to do but and he sort of said but you know he didn't say that in th these words but he basically said but marcus you can do that now you can go and do that with what i've given you you know and 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 i find that super moving because if you if you translate this to every single piece of software even right it's not just it's not just about people anymore it's like about as you say it's thoughts it's ideas it's it's uh, tools um it's it's people in your life like like there's like you know like maybe some some person let's say uh main role is to irritate others or some other person is like the super inspiring person mm -hmm. or somebody else is like the like the like um uh like like for uh, total relaxation or yeah. like you know like and and i think that's that's sort of like a better way to kind of look at how yes. everything interacts than kind of trying to assign um like these larger words to things mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and and yeah i mean it, and it's it's also interesting why that why that is even worth uh talking about in a way yeah well, <laughs> i that, know i know it is but yeah <laughs> there's there's so many you know so many historic roots for these compartmentalizations and you know as we as we are kind of forced to emerge into into better ways of relating to each other and to to think of us as a society and and as a planet i think the arts have the potential to bring that cross-disciplinary and 
fearless, not fearless, but courageous knitting together of, of, you know, the wildest disparaging fields and, and just say, you know, look what I've done. Look what I did this. I, and it works. And I'm trying this instead now, and now I'm applying it to this context and now I'm teaching it. And now I'm getting all that kind of feedback and this, this informs my, my work and my teaching. And then this brings in a whole new circle of folks on social media. And then you suddenly you have these, suddenly I'm on zoom with somebody I'd never thought I'd, speak with and mm. and and we we have always known that you know we have always you know be it myspace or whatever was before we've always <laughs> we've always done that and there's there's no you know i think and maybe us and and you know bernhard our our uh, dear friend and 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 others close to us have 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 been like that and realized it for a long way and i think these these kinds of strategies if you want to call it that is is just something that which is very timely it's it's really you know we've we've we have organized we have tried to make a living in a in difficult circumstances and we have juggled things and 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 we have you know f we found systems to make things easy which are impossible for other people and you know mm -hmm. generate mm -hmm. generating generating a composite uh, you know orchestral one hour orchestral piece in ableton live and and mm -hmm. uh coming up with musical structures that are mind-blowing in in the best sense mm -hmm. Th this is all this is all a, a part of a practice that isn't confined to the arts or academia and you know you can't write a book about it because it's all interlinked to to everything else and and i i feel like this whole idea of you know people teaching more online and and becoming more more and more connected and, and influencing each other is it's just beautiful and it's it's something that i think it's these are qualities that more and more people will have to adopt because it's you know the world is just so bizarre yes <laughs> i mean the world that like the world that professional artists have experienced is is uh, that's an experience that more and more people with so-called normal lives are having i guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is which is brutal and and it's mm -hmm. it's also beautiful <laughs> yeah you know this is the moment where we could say i told you so right like <laughs> that's what it's like <laughs> um okay so tobias we could talk for a long time and um we should talk again i think and um i would love um, to i have one last question because i'm so curious just leave us with you know tell us a little bit about that that new approach to musical to creating musical stuff that you discovered recently or where that you discovered in your in your group meetings can you explain what that was well the one that i just mentioned yes um it was basically simulating granular synthesis with midi <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> It's it's not it's nothing new, you know. There's in in experimental music, there's this concept of black MIDI, where you would just fill a screen with so many MIDI notes on on the piano roll mm -hmm. that the screen is black, if that's the color you're using. And it's it's for me, it's not about pushing that, but you know, we we have we were talking about this idea of swarms because that's something that I'm loosely researching for the music festival mm -hmm. and and somebody said you know i wonder if you if we could do some kind of swarming motion using the 
things that we've been working on. And then um, I said, you know, let's try. And and we kind of said, you know, what if you have like a center frequency and then you have an algorithm that places nodes around that, and then you can vary the uh, the range of mm-hmm. nodes that are disposable at your disposal and then you you know what are different ways to controlling that and how can you could you how can you control velocity in a way that would give it these dynamic um motions and then we we just did that i don't i don't know what it will come of it it's not i don't think it's particularly original but depending mm-hmm. on what what uh sounds and you know i can see myself mapping this to synthetic percussions and doing very interesting textures mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um yeah, that's just it's it's a it's actually a good example for how the class works because I didn't introduce any new technological knowledge. You know, I didn't do any new max teaching. I just took what we had already learned and integrated it and you know combined it in a way to produce something very new for new for us. Mm-hmm. So my yeah, maybe to to go back to that approach teaching these things again, it's really not about how can you learn everything that the software can do? But let's take the basics and see how much musical use we can squeeze out of them. And, you know, the things that I use, people are constantly surprised how simple the things are that I do. Mm-hmm. There's many, many people who are way more, who can do way more complicated stuff in Max. Mm-hmm. But I do very simple things which have which can generate very complex and interesting results so that's yes, that's yes, what yes. i'm into and yeah I, if people are interested i invite them to to come hang out yeah i will, I will obviously post links to for so people can get in touch with you you know so the, the 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 two words that i used for this what you just described in in my teaching now is what if right so if like that's if that's something i can teach you to ask yourself what if if you if you're in encountering anything Right, and you are able to ask the question, "What if?" That's 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 all you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just mm-hmm. need to act on, you need to use that as motivation to find out, okay, what if I do this or that, or you know, yeah, yeah, fascinating. Okay, Tobias, this was wonderful. Um, Beautiful, thank you. A father of millions, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, talk to you again very, very soon. Um, yes, I'd love that. Yeah, thank just, you for having just me. Just for now, yes, of course. <laughs> talk soon, bye bye. Talk to you soon, bye. Yeah.